signing autographs? <laughs> <laughs> we have gotten a lot of really good feedback from your page. And I mean, we all loved it. We all loved it. Yeah, that kind of came together well. I um, I posted it. Let's see. I haven't checked. I posted it on Facebook. Hello? about the Tar Heel Traveler on, uh, on Monday this week. We were featured on WRAL and um, yeah, it was, it was quite an experience. I, I want to preface all this by saying WRAL is the number one station in the Raleigh-Durham Triangle area. Um, it covers Perhaps the world. Yeah, it covers Central North Carolina all the way to the coast. You, you go stay at a beach house or something, and uh, you're watching WRAL News there. They don't have, Wilmington doesn't have. Yeah, they do. They have, do they? Yeah. 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 Uh, There's WECT, which is, I believe, in Greenville, and WWAY in Wilmington. Okay. Well, no, no, they have news affiliates, but do they have an NBC affiliate down there? So I want to say oh, WRAL reaches the coast as well. I could be wrong. We'll go back and end up with them. What I'm trying to say is Raleigh-Durham isn't – it's it's not a uh, it's not a weak market. It's it's a pretty number one station in a growing market. So I, I want to say a lot of eyes um, discovered the rant yes, yesterday. And uh, um, we had a flood of new page likes on Facebook. Oh, really? Oh, mm-hmm. really? I didn't know that. I know we had a lot of um, new page views on our website. Oh, hey, the pressure's on. So w- uh, WECT is the NBC affiliate for <laughs> whatever. Just, just, just maybe, trying to maybe, maybe, uh, maybe I'm thinking of something else. Anyway, no, but this it, is a station with a global reach. If you go stay in Osaka, Japan, <laughs> you're watching WRAL. But WRAL is one of the largest affiliates in the country. Are they claim the same? They were the first one to have a website. I don't know, but they had, um, you know, when they switched from CBS, from NBC, no, wait, from CBS to NBC like two years ago, it was a big deal because CBS was losing a large affiliate. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, our guest on uh, this week's podcast is Scott Mason. He is the Tar Heel Traveler, and uh, we just we just finished interviewing him, which you'll hear shortly, but uh, great interview. Um, uh but we're going to talk about uh, his segment on this part of the podcast because uh, um, we all got to see it. And I want to I want to ask both of you. Um, you're sitting there at five fifty five. You hear you hear the anchors say, "Coming up next, three Sanford journalists start a newspaper." Coming up on the Tar Heel Traveler, and then it goes to commercial. Was that the longest three minutes of your life? <laughs> I was like, oh, this might be our segment. It's <laughs> <laughs> about those other guys in Sanford. Um, the, 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 the Grant. Yeah. So I, guys, I was nervous. I was too. I've been nervous since he shot it. And not that I thought 
he was going to make us look stupid. I, I was nervous that we had made ourselves look stupid. And, you know, we put the, <laughs> we put the paper together every month and we've got complete control over it. And this is something that we had no control over. We just had to kind of hand it, hand it off to him and see what he did with it. And obviously he's very experienced and talented and good at what he does. So well, no and that's the way worry, we but... feel when we interview people and they say, can I read this before it goes out? And suddenly you're like, come on, trust yeah. me, you know? Yeah. I, I've been well, that's what I, I, I deliberately didn't ask him any questions about how it was going to turn out for that reason. <laughs> um, we just stayed in touch to schedule this podcast. We didn't want to have him on before the the segment or too long after we wanted to have him as a guest the same week. So I just stayed in touch to find out when it was going to air so that we could promote it and schedule this interview. So, uh, so on July 1st, he interviews us in downtown Sanford and uh, the interview itself was about half an hour to 45 minutes. And then they stuck around for another half hour, um, just getting footage of us at our computers and um, a lot of zoom shots. And it was quite a process, but the way he took 45 minutes and converted it into what I thought watching it was a five minute segment, but it turns out, you know, it's only a two and a half to three minute segment. Um, I, I was impressed that he was able to tell our story in such a short time, but I, I got to say, I thought it was good. I thought it was really good. Oh, and I thought it was awesome. Yeah. It was entertaining. It was, uh, he made us look like we knew what we were talking about. His, uh, his style, which is to take, audio clips of what we say and then he says something and then we you know that's what he's been doing for years and uh it's i don't know i don't know what i was worried about but it, it turned <laughs> out great and i i was so happy uh my wife was watching it with me and uh, we were on our way back from wilmington actually and we pulled over on the side of the road at i-40 to watch it so <laughs> my, <laughs> yeah my wife was like that was really good like yeah, she like was surprised surprise. <laughs> it was gonna be like <laughs> yeah I was like, yeah, it, it was. So I have only watched it once. Have you guys watched it more than once? Well, I, I watched it the one time as we pulled over, but when I got home last night, I watched it one more time. So I've only seen I, it twice. I can't make myself watch it again. I don't know. It's just nerve nerve wracking. But you know, it was good. So that at least that's been lifted off your shoulders, though. Yeah, oh, I've really. probably watched it a dozen times. Really? Really? Oh yeah. Come on, man. You're you're a narcissist. I am. <laughs> I, I probably lean more toward John. I, I saw just it. Can't, I just can't I liked watch it. it again. I saw it. I liked it. I don't have to see myself again, though. You know, <laughs> it's like even <laughs> even going back and editing videos. Um, you know. No, I'll, I'll probably go back and watch it again, but I just can't make myself right now. Well, I Let's thought see. we all. I thought it was great, and. And let's talk about, um, first off, it was an honor. I mean, he goes around and he, he interviews people that he, you know, thinks represent North Carolina well. He interviews people with what he feels are great stories. Um, it's, you know, it's old school uh, storytelling. And the fact that we were chosen to, to be a part of it was first, I thought that was uh, uh, very flattering and uh, probably undeserving but very flattering. And then for him to turning it into, turn it into what he turned it into, um, you know, it would just, yeah, the, the, the whole experience has been pretty fun for us. And, um, and it kind of, uh, I know we are very self-deprecating and, 
but it also kind of put into what we put into this product over the last 10 years and more specifically over the last four years, it put it all into context for me that, you know, um, this is something that, uh, that I think is special. It's special to us anyway. And the fact that other people can see that, um, was very, uh, enlightening to me. And, um, so. Well, and something that, that summarizes what you just said to me is, you know, we, we posted it on Facebook and, you know, our friends, our family, you know, clicking the heart react emoji, but what about all these people whose names we don't know clicking the heart emoji and saying, God, we love the rant. Like that's, yeah, it's gratifying to know really that, that we're, we're, we're reaching people that way. And, and you don't see that with a daily newspaper and I'm not saying anything bad about current papers, but when we worked at a daily newspaper, people hated us. You know? <laughs> I mean, it was, you know, you, uh, people would, you would do great work and, and people would send you anonymous letters where they circled your one mistake in the story or, you know, people love to attack the daily newspaper. They just love it. It's, it's this, um, I don't know. It's this, it makes people feel good to bash the media. And, mm-hmm. and, uh, we get, I mean, we do get some of that with the, rant. Oh, there are people who hate the rant, yeah. but, <laughs> but it's like what you just said, Gordon, the fact that people were genuinely happy for us, um, that the way I look at it as they, they view what we do as part of the community, which again, we're very thankful for that too. And so for us to be featured was also for their community to be featured or for, you know, something that they like to get any kind of notoriety, a good, you know, good publicity. It makes people feel good. It's like when you're following a, a sports team that maybe hasn't done well, you know, over the years and then they have their one great season and you see everybody else, you know, starting to, to kind of jump on the bandwagon. It makes you feel good because you're like, well, you know, I've liked them since the beginning. And I think people who maybe have followed us from the beginning, this kind of justifies that, Hey, you know, I, I, I saw them when, when they were a radio show or I, I lived two blocks from them and it just, you know, it, it just makes people feel good. And I tell Scott that in the interview is uh, what he does makes people feel good. And, um, and I get it. I, I get it. Not that I didn't get it before, but, um, to be on the other side of it, it's, it, it feels pretty good. I feel like we should have given a little more props to Brandon because <laughs> he's oh, done yeah. so, much, so much work, you know, I mean, he's worked yeah. really hard and yeah, Brandon's been a big part of this for Brandon. those of you listening. Brandon is our advertising guy and he does a really amazing job. And, and we wouldn't be here without him. So it's it's funny the the very well, John, first. Why did you why did you say when Scott invited the four of us? Why did you say no Brandon on any <laughs> under any circumstances? Brandon there, I will not be there. I have my reason. A different tune now. <laughs> <laughs> no, when, I did not. When um, we first began talking about the idea of of doing a print product, we knew we needed somebody to sell the ads because that's just not in our not in our skill set, excuse me. Um, and I went with Brandon on a lot of the early calls before we had a product to, to, to show to people. And I was, my job was to kind of explain 
what it, what it was we were doing and what we thought it would look like. And we fell into a rhythm because I'm terrible at asking for money, but Brandon is great at it. And I would describe what we were about to do. And then I would look down at my feet while Brandon made the ask. <laughs> so, uh, Cause it's so like, uncomfortable maybe, for You were me. like me, Gordon. I'd have been like, well, so you can advertise with us, but if you don't want to, I completely understand. Yeah, right, yeah. I, I wouldn't advertise with us. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I totally yeah. wouldn't do this. <laughs> But he's oh. the point is he's 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 very very good at it and he's 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 a professional and he knows yeah. how to ask and he's not uncomfortable doing it and that's not to say that we haven't been told no by some people um, and it surprises me when somebody tells us they're not interested in advertising uh, and then later on he comes back and he's like yo I got so and so and I'm like you yeah. went and asked him again oh I couldn't do that <laughs> like I already told you no like. So yeah, he's like asking, being, for that, man. It's like asking for the date two months after she gave you a resounding no. Right. Yeah. Right. So the point <laughs> being, he's very good at what he does. Well, the, the reason we the reason we were featured is because we got back into the print industry and we don't get back into the print industry without Brandon. So, yeah. So, yeah. yeah. Part of the Scott story was was the fact that we started together, um, you know, back in the newspaper. And so I do want to point out the one glaring mistake in the story, though. Uh, the headline it says three best friends starting yeah, newspaper. Like um, while we are friendly and while we are, uh, 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 we, we do get along and we hang out. Oh, get over it. This is a partnership of convenience and nothing more. <laughs> well, I was going to say, uh, I, I'd hardly say best friends. And it's no offense to you guys. You know, best friends are something you, you develop early in life. And, uh, you know, so. you guys aren't my best friends. John, no, you and I, I live together. I'd say I mean, you guys. I'd say you wait. guys are up there. You guys are up there. Now I got nothing. <laughs> like second or third tier on my on my friendship. Oh my god. Well, I mean, I, that this until is I agree, devastating. we have to put the wives first. So the wives, you have to tell. Why? Your She's your best friend, right? I don't know. I think Cameron's my best friend. Okay, <laughs> and he don't even like me. Right, wife, wife, <laughs> and, wife, and children, um, best friends, and then you've got the second tier, which is people you grew up with. And then you've got the third tier of, of people you met later in life. And uh, maybe you guys are in the third tier. Oh, well, it's better, weird. Like better friends, not best. friends. Like <laughs> third all, place is second loser. <laughs> it's been a little, it's been a little over 10 years now, but we just yeah. kept talking after you fired me, Billy. Ah, damn it. <laughs> Good screaming, everybody. I mean, and that was that you knew it was going to come up this week because it was in the segment. It was, and and, and I laughed hard when, and I I pumped my fist in the air when <laughs> when I saw uh, that that was included. Somebody but, asked, who Clara asked me, no, yeah, I think Clara asked me why Gordon uh, Billy fired Gordon after the segment. <laughs> yeah, um, Haley asked me the same thing, and that's not something I want to get on here, but I will say that. Uh, um, it, it it wasn't personal. <laughs> well, I just, you know, like, I did want to bring it up in the interview with him, not as part of this joke I have where I remind you that you fired me, but I think it's an important part of the rant story. You said it off camera originally to him, and I think he brought it up in the interview. Yeah. Yeah, because you said it off camera, jokingly, I think, and then, you know, he, the Scott Mason, oh, I like that light bulb went off and yeah. brought it up during the interview. Well, so, what, when, when that happened, 
I think there was an episode of the rant that you guys did without me. And I remember you addressing it sort of, you said like Gordon's not here and we're not going to get into why, but I don't know. You said something nice. And then I think you called me and you're like, Hey, do you want to come on the radio show again next week? And I was like, well, I'm not doing anything else. (laughs) 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 And just, just like that. I mean, I was still on the rant and I probably had more, freedom at that point to say whatever the hell I wanted. I said, we can't pay you Gordon, but you <laughs> no, uh, like I said, um, it, the, the reasons for that, I, I, uh, you know, you guys know, I've told you and, and I can't, I can't talk about it publicly without having oh, whatever. It doesn't matter. Disagree with me, but, uh, but it happened. And, uh, um, and, uh, the Gordon community, um, put me through the ringer for a good month after that. <laughs> the Gordon community. I, I became a pariah in this city. And so I really just had to get you back just for my own, uh, my own well-being. But, so oh yeah, here, here we are with a print product 10 years later. Hard here traveler. Yeah. So, um, so yeah, it was great. And uh, Scott's interview is great. Um, I guess now is a good part to a good point to plug in that interview right now. And uh here it is. But uh, I do want to start, Scott, by saying, uh, you know, you, you talked to us for a good 45 minutes almost. And and then, you know, your, your segments usually are uh, edited down to four or five minute segments. Um, so we were all very curious heading into this, you know, how's this going to turn out? What's he going to use? What, you know, and, um, I gotta say, I was grinning ear to ear, the whole thing. You managed to take 45 minutes worth of content and, uh, stick it into a five minute segment and still capture everything that we talked about. It was, it was extremely well done. Not that we doubted otherwise, but, uh, it was extremely well done. And, uh, yeah, I guess that's, I guess that's, you've been doing this for a while now. <laughs> yeah, I've been doing it for 36 years. And, um, and that's the trick. Uh, actually, the, the segment is less than three minutes. They only give me about the maximum is about two minutes and 50 seconds. Um, and if I go wow. over that, I run into trouble with the producers. So, <laughs> um, you know, producers, they like the newscast to be quick, quick, quick uh, stories, you know, pretty short. Um, I'm fortunate in that uh, the Tar Heel Traveler segment is about double the length of a normal news story, but, you know, usually about two and a half minutes, two minutes, 45 seconds. And the trick is to condense it, to pack as much information as you can into that, into that slot. Um, And, you know, that kind of comes from, I guess, from experience, Uh, you know, how to, how to keep the pace going and, and how to keep the, the interview segments short and you know that with the three of you guys that the trick was to include all three of you and sort of give equal time to each so but it was it was a lot of fun doing the story when you guys are filming are you thinking that way you know oh that's something i'm going to use or do you just kind of film everything and get your audio and then sit down and look at what you've got and start the process then um well, my wife always accuses me of being a terrible listener. I don't listen to her, <laughs> except when I'm when I'm shooting stories. They I, all do. <laughs> I am. 
I am so in tune. I'm listening pretty intently. And so, you know, I'm obviously listening to sound bites that don't ramble, you know, that are, that are pretty quick. And it's almost like I have a little computer editing station in my head mm. and I'm sort of almost editing it in my mind as I'm listening to you all, you wow. know, your, your interviews when I'm there in the field. Um, so to some extent, I'm kind of editing in my head as I go. Although, of course, you know, when I get back to the TV station, I, I go through all those 45 minutes of the interview that we did and I log everything, I time code everything, and then I weave it together on paper. And the photographer, by the same token as he's shooting, he's kind of editing in his head as well. Um, yeah. Robert is his name. Mm -hmm. and, and he'll even, he'll, he'll zoom in when he, when he knows that something good's coming or, you know, he'll do these camera moves and in a way editing in the field as well. I, I noticed that some of those, yeah. those swelling shots. Now, some of that we do post we do uh -huh. edit it we'll do a quick zoom here or that kind of thing but a lot of times he does it in the field yeah we've actually introduced you yet so we're talking with scott mason wral's uh, tar heel traveler and uh of course uh, most people that listen to us realize by now that the the reason is uh, uh yesterday on monday uh the uh, we had a tar heel traveler segment on us the rants air and uh um, we were telling you before we started recording, Scott, that we got just such tremendous feedback from from people that follow us and people who are genuinely happy uh, be, that we appeared on it. And I think the reason they're genuinely happy is because your segment has become such a a uh, a well loved um, mainstay, I guess, in North Carolina. Uh, I grew up in Texas, and I I. Uh, I compare it to uh, what Bob Phillips, I don't know if you've heard the name Bob Phillips, but he was the Texas country reporter for, for decades. And just, you know, you're in people's living rooms every night and then there's just so much love that, that develops um, over years when, when you're doing this. And so uh, I want to, I want to start by asking uh, how do you become the Tar Heel Traveler? Uh, I, I imagine when you got into broadcasting, maybe that wasn't what you thought was going to happen. Well, um, even as a little kid, I kind of always knew what I wanted to do. I just had always loved to write, and I all uh, I would throw tennis balls against my garage door as a little boy, and I'd always pretend I was the play-by-play -play man. And so I kind of, I really kind of always knew I wanted to go into broadcasting. So uh, I studied journalism in college, uh, graduated, went right into TV, basically covering hard news. I was covering murders and fires and car wrecks, kind of the news of the day. Um, but I always gravitated toward the fun feature stories, even from, from my early days. And kind of every TV station I went to, I sort of found my little way into that. I was the, the feature reporter uh, whenever there would be a feature to come up. Uh, of course, I was still doing the hard news as well. But slowly, I began to I guess, kind of make a name for myself as, as doing features. And I also began to do long form pieces. And um, WRAL hired me in 1997 to actually do documentaries. They hired me wow. as the documentary producer. So I did 10 documentaries uh, from 1997 to 2000. Um, documentaries, for example, on the moving of the Cape Hatteras Lighthouse, 
when they found Blackbeard's flagship off the coast of Beaufort. I did a documentary on that. Um, went to Rome, did a documentary on the Vatican, did one on the Lumbee Indians, uh, uh, the pollution of the Neuse River. But anyway, three years into that, the TV station hired a new general manager. He said, I don't want to do documentaries anymore. So I get tossed back into news <laughs> covering murders and fires and car wrecks again. Um, but then in 2007, the station kind of recognized uh, sort of my talent as far as feature reporting. They used to have the Tar Heel Traveler segment like 35 years ago, and they decided to bring it back. And fortunately, they named me as the Tar Heel Traveler. So I've been just roaming around the state with a photographer since 2007. And um, the Tar Heel Traveler segment comes on four nights a week, Monday through Thursdays at 5.55. And we've gone to all 100 states now and done more than 2,000 stories. Yeah. Um, that's what I was going to say that, we you know, when we first announced it, I think DSI, actually, our downtown group kind of posted a picture of you doing an interview with us. And just so many people were saying, I love Scott Mason. I love the Tar Heel Traveler. <laughs> so you really made a name for yourself in this. Um, Scott, do yeah. you think that that's, uh, we hear it all the time, especially when we were in journalism, I mean, and with newspapers, uh, um, the murder stories that you mentioned, the, the crime stories, they get all the hits, but there's a longing for good news. And, and that's the way they put it. We want good news. We want... We want we want these profile stories. Uh, um, you're delivering that good news four times a week. Is that uh, um, do you feel like that's just as important as the politics and the crime and and the the weather and all the other tragedy stories that, that we get also in the five and six o'clock news? I mean, I, I definitely do, but I also think by the same token, even when you're covering a hard news story, say a murder story, if you personalize the story, if you, you know, I think there's almost a human interest element within a hard news story that can be taken advantage of, that can be brought out. Um, as long as there are people stories and you, you're able to make the viewer identify with them to relate to that story, that's really what people want. Yes, they like good news stories, but really, what they really want is just a good story. And you probably see that in the rant when you're doing your stories, um, these in-depth pieces. Uh, I, I didn't get a chance to read the piece on, say, the, the passenger rail or the breweries, but I'm sure you, you peopleized it. You probably focused on individuals, and, and that's how you bring those stories to life. That's what I was going to say, that we're – probably kindred spirits i mean we love <laughs> we love to do the feature stories too i mean we that's kind of why we went into this you know we wanted to add a little more beyond what ap copy can give our readers you know well that's the thing i think um tv news and really news in general uh the, the feature reporting has really gone by the wayside i mean i remember when a lot of states had you know these sort of traveling reporters um yeah and, just one by one, they've gone away there. I mean, I may be the only full-time feature TV reporter in the nation. I mean, who's doing a segment regularly. I know there's a guy in um, Minneapolis who's really good, but, um, and I think he calls his the land of 10,000 lakes. 
uh, and he's very talented, but I think he only does, you know, one story every couple of weeks. And then the rest of the time he's doing general news. Who were your, uh, who were your inspirations? You say there's, there's few of you left, but um, growing up, what broadcasters did you try to emulate when you were tossing the ball against the wall? Well, um, I have a kind of a funny story about that. When I was probably, I mean, I was probably eight years old, nine years old. I remember this distinctly. It was one night around, well, it was about almost 6.30. And I was in my parents' bedroom and they were getting ready to go to dinner. And they, they were going out somewhere and they were getting dressed and they had a TV in the bedroom and I was watching the TV. And a Charles Kuralt story came on, you know, oh, yeah. he was with CBS News, Charles Kuralt roamed the whole country telling feature stories. And I watched his story, it was the end of the six o'clock news. And after the story ended, I pointed to the TV and I said, I want to do what he does. And my parents looked over at me and they're like, ah, what's he talking about? But uh, Kuralt was definitely my great inspiration and and really, from from my earliest days, I remember thinking, I want to be I want to be a reporter on that CBS Sunday morning program. I mean, I, I want to do those feature stories. Um, I actually got a chance to to meet Kuralt twice, um, once briefly, and he gave me his autograph, and another a, a little bit a longer time, and we had a, a time to talk. And I would actually send him tapes over the years. I don't know if he ever saw the tapes, but Kuralt. Mm-hmm. Um, he wrote simply and he had that great voice and um, an, another kind of fun story at WRAL probably I've been doing the Tar Heel Traveler for 13 years. So this was probably about 17 years ago. Um, I was back in our archives where all the old tapes are kept and I was trying to find a story back in there. And on the bottom shelf of this little used of this little used shelf there was this tape it was a it was in black and it was i mean real literally had dust all over it and it said Kuralt on this binder and i was like well what is this and i took it out and i put it in well uh, it was like a bar of gold it was a um seminar of charles Kuralt. it was probably around 1980 and he had was coming through Raleigh and he stopped at WRAL because back then we were a CBS affiliate and he was CBS. And um, he just gave like an impromptu seminar for about 15 minutes. And he talked all about writing and writing to video and all the agony he goes through over every story. And he's, and, and uh, it's just him smoking a cigarette. He's got a blue blazer on and he's talking about all this and he's, delivering these fantastic anecdotes and the cigarette, he never, he never like flicked off the ashes. They just fell all over his blue blazer, you know, <laughs> classic Corralt. He didn't care, but he, the, the things that he talked about were just exactly what I stressed and strain over all the time about, you know, you, you have to have the pictures match the word, the, the words match the pictures. And what if you don't have the pictures and, and writing to the specific things and all that kind of stuff. So Corral he, uh, definitely. He worked at RAL for a while, didn't he? WRAL. Uh, he never worked at RAL. Of course, he's a he grew up in Wilmington and was a UNC graduate. Yeah. And then he was the youngest reporter in history to work for a network news operation. Oh, okay. I remember. Yeah. 
not to go off on too much of a tangent, but in that same line, CBS this morning um, always does the great Sunday morning features. And uh, I don't know if you if you remember Bill Geist. He uh, yes, was, he was when I was working at a newspaper in Louisiana. He came to do a a feature on our Yam Festival. <laughs> and I got to meet Bill Geist, and I was so uh, I was so I, I was such a big fan that I probably. Uh, um, I whipped him to death because uh, I asked him if he could leave a voicemail message on my phone for my <laughs> wife. So uh, uh, I'm sure people love doing that, but yeah, I was uh, such a big fan of his and he was definitely an influence for me. So that's why I, I was curious about uh, who influenced you growing up. Another good one is Charles Osgood, also a CBS yeah. man who actually took over from Keralt on the CBS uh, Sunday morning program. Osgood was a, very talented writer. Um, read the poem that he wrote. It's called Pretty Good. That's a great poem. I've actually used uh, excerpts of that in graduation speeches and that kind of thing. So how often do people come up to you and say, hey, I got a great story for you? Does that happen every day? Uh, yeah. Well, what happens is, you know, people always ask me where I get my story ideas from. Cause you know, when you're on four nights a week, week after week, year after year, here, 13 plus years later, I mean, that's you a have lot to of do, material. Yeah. yeah. You have to do is You wind up doing stories on the rant and stuff. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, um, people email me all the time. I mean, it's not unusual for me to receive like three to six story ideas in a day that people email me. So, um, I literally have at least 5,000 story ideas in my wow. file that I haven't gotten to. And and really, that's a pretty conservative estimate. It, it honestly might be closer to 10,000 story ideas. Do you and get they a just, lot of, They roll in. Do you get a lot of pitches, though, like business pitches, people? Um, um, well, yeah, you have to be careful because sometimes – say a, a business just wants publicity yeah, yeah. <laughs> they basically want a tv commercial and so they'll they'll say hey well we've got a story why don't you come and look at all the great things we have so you have yeah. to you have to kind of sort through those yeah so you interviewed us on july 1st and it was you know several weeks later so you, how many stories are you juggling at the same time you know I, you pr probably have five or ten that you're working on right now right um i try to so the whole key is to to keep a stockpile of stories um we, we try to work in advance to some extent just because it helps um lessen the stress as far as editing uh really shooting the story is the easiest part it takes about two hours to shoot a story give or take and then, and then it's the the writing it takes me a good four to five hours, I'd say, to go through all those interviews and then weave it together on paper. And then it takes Robert, the photographer, probably four to five hours to edit it. Um, so we're talking at least ten hours per two and a half minute story. Um, so it, you know, it it really is time consuming. So if you can have that stockpile of stories and kind of work in advance, that helps. So yeah, I probably have about ten stories that still need to be written. Um, and we don't shoot stories every day. What we do is shoot in bunches. So mm -hmm. we generally save the early part of the week, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, for writing and editing, and then shoot Thursday and Friday. 
But when we shoot those days, we're not just shooting one story Thursday, one story Friday. Now we're shooting like three stories Thursday, three stories Friday. See, right. you give, if you give up four stories a week, you feel like you have to shoot at least four stories a week to keep pace. Now it doesn't doesn't happen that way all the time. One week you might shoot one story, the next week you might shoot ten stories. So. Uh, definitely when, when I see the stockpile of stories begin to dwindle and I only have like two or three, I'm like, Oh, we need to start shooting again. Right. right. So, uh, you said, you said, uh, you've been, you've been to all hundred counties. You've probably been to some of them hundreds of times. Uh, uh, so this might be a hard question for you, but do you have two or three interviews that just stick with you? And, and, uh, one of them does not have to be the rant. We, we know that was memorable, but do, do you have two or three that just, you know, maybe, you got to interview an idol of yours or, or, um, or somebody whose story just, just knocked you off your chair. Uh, do you have a couple of those? Yeah, I've actually got a pretty good story about that too. Believe it or not, it was the very first Tar Heel Traveler story we ever shot. It was in August of uh, 2007 and I had just been named the Tar Heel Traveler and we were going to debut in September of the next month. And I was like looking through my folder and I'd already collected a few story ideas and I pulled this one out. Uh, I'd heard about this man from Chapel Hill. His name was Marty and he ate breakfast every morning at the same spot. It was a little place called Sutton's on Franklin Street in Chapel Hill. It's like a pharmacy with a little breakfast lunch counter. And I, I didn't have Marty's phone number, so I just called Sutton's to set up the story. And the guy's like, oh, yeah, he's here every morning. Why don't you come at 7 tomorrow morning? He'll be here. He'd love to talk to you. So we get there, and uh, Marty walks in the door, and he sees the TV camera, and he's like, like he doesn't want to be interviewed at all. And I'm like, oh, my gosh, this is going to be terrible. And I sat down, and ate breakfast with him and he started chatting and it was sort of a signal that, Hey, we we're just going to take our time and, and listen to a story. Well, Marty's story, he was in his uh, probably mid sixties and he was born without arms. So he's sitting there eating breakfast with his feet. And I mean, it was just, it was amazing. So I asked him all about growing up without arms and how did he get around well, all of a sudden, he just, he loved talking. He had a great personality. Everybody in Sutton's knew him and it's all saying, hey, everything. And uh, I think telling his story really energized him. And he's like, okay, come on with me. And I'm like, oh, where are we going? Well, we go out across the street and he's got this big blue van parked there. And he says, jump in. And so he begins driving this van with his feet. And he's like honking the horn with his foot. Well, Marty was a landscaper. And he stops and he shows me what he does. Well, he goes, gets a chainsaw and powers it up with his foot and starts chainsawing a tree. And then, and then he's mowing the lawn with his, with his feet and pushing the lawnmower with his chest and everything. It was amazing. And, uh, we really, we spent a good bit of the day with him and I just felt like I got to know him. And, and, uh, that was the very first Tar Heel Traveler story. But the, but the thing is, with a story like that, I, I knew it was like an amazing story. 
So can you imagine the pressure I felt in trying to get it right? You know, oh, yeah. Yeah, I must have rewritten that story five times. Um, but it but it aired, and the anchors coming out of the piece, they were like speechless. And uh, <laughs> uh, that that was by far the most memorable story I think I've done. Happened to be the very first one. The pressure's wow. on after that one too. To- oh, well, I know. I think we it's probably been downhill ever since. I don't know. <laughs> But, uh, but yeah, there's, there, you, that, that's the kind of the fun thing about the job is you, you run into surprises all the time. You know, you think, oh, well, this is a pretty good story. And then it becomes a great story. You know, it's just, it, it takes a turn that you didn't see, that you didn't foresee. Now, by the same token, you might go in thinking, oh, this is a great story. And it takes a turn and it's uh, not such a good story. But you learn to improvise and you learn to make it work. Mm-hmm. Right. That's about, that 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 that's fascinating. The, the you know, I, I think you would be amazed at at the uh, the process. I think I think the public generally thinks we go out and shoot these stories, and then we come back and it's already edited and ready right. to go. But yeah. uh, uh, the amount of stress and strain and work that goes into putting these pieces together, and and especially if you're doing a complicated piece, for example. The day that we interviewed you, uh, did the story on the rant. Later that day, we left you and went to Southern Pines to do a story on this this fitness class, a place called Forte Fitness. That they, they were affected by the coronavirus, so they were doing all their fitness classes outside. Well, you know, there are like 25 women in this fitness class, and the, the lady doing the class and they have music pumping. So I must have interviewed, I think I did 10 interviews there. Plus I had the instructor mic. So here I go back to the TV station. I'm having to listen to all those little beats of the music and log them and figure out, okay, this is, I want this little section of the music here. And then the instructor, given all those instructions, I had to write all that stuff down and then the interviews and then weave it all together. So it's, Sometimes it takes hours and hours. Have there ever been times where you guys are out getting ready to do a feature and something absolutely crazy, hard news happens and you are, are sort of pressed into service to, to cover whatever event is unfolding in front of you? I've got, <laughs> I've got a great story for that, too. Um, in the early days of the Tar Heel Traveler, we were um, going, we happened to be going east. We were in Johnston County. And um, the great thing about the Tar Heel Traveler is we have like complete and utter freedom. Uh, Robert and I, we just kind of decide what stories we're going to do, when we're going to do them, where we're going to go. Well, we're driving to our story in Johnston County. All of a sudden, we get a a phone call from the assignment desk, which is kind of really strange that they'd be calling us. Mm -hmm. So I answer the phone and the, the lady on the assignment desk says, where are you guys? We, we have an emergency. Are, are you are you in Johnston County by any chance? I'm like, yeah, well, we are in Johnston County. We're on our way to the story. And she says, well, we have just gotten a report of a bomb that's on a train and the train is heading for the Selma station. Go to Selma right now and see what you can find out. We're like, oh, my gosh. Well, I mean, it'd been a while since I'd been in real news. I felt like I had to put my news hat on again. So mm-hmm. we go to the Selma train depot in, in Selma, North Carolina, you know, right next to Smithfield. And, you know, I jump out of the car and there's a whole bunch of people there. And 
trying to find out what's going on. And all of a sudden I, I see this crowd around this old man, this older man. And he's like, oh, yeah, that old train, that train comes in and leaves Charlotte at 1121. He gets to Selma here at about 1222, has 115 passengers on board. And then it goes from here to Asheville. And oh, yeah, that's the streamliner. And I'm like, well, how do you know about all this stuff about the train? And he's like, oh, well, what I do is I pull out my lawn chair here every day and I just watch the trains. I'm a train watcher. <laughs> well, the guy was fascinating. In fact, he was so fascinating. I forgot all about the bomb on the train <laughs> that was coming in. But um, actually, it happened to be a false alarm uh, and there was no bomb. But uh, I did get that man's name and number. And two weeks later, I went and did a story on him watching the trains. So you talk about a twist, man. Yeah, you got uh, a, a Tar Heel Traveler out of it. Yeah, <laughs> what, what but there are, there? you know, the, we have been pressed into into hurricanes. Uh, you know, when hurricanes hit, it's all hands on deck. Um, mm-hmm. Was it Florence three years ago? Uh, Robert and I were camped in Fayetteville for 10 straight days. And we worked a late shift. I'm we sorry. Worked, we worked a late shift and we were working for like two p.m. till about midnight which usually lasted till about 2 a.m. and for 10 straight nights we ate at a waffle house every every, every night it was the only <laughs> restaurant open <laughs> well so scott uh we really appreciate you uh joining us on our podcast uh um i think we we've kept you longer than than we said we we would need you for but i did have one one more question and uh um, it's just more mostly out of curiosity for us. You you do get all these great story pitches, and you and uh, you do phenomenal work. But uh, you, I think you told us while you were talking to us how how you heard about the ram. But we were just curious why you thought that was a story, and uh, and uh, how do you think it turned out? No, I think we were, um, we were perplexed. <laughs> the way, uh, if I remember correctly. Um, I had done this story on Margaret Murchison, the radio personality in Sanford many years ago. And her name, oh, I know, I think I saw where her sister had died of the coronavirus. And so I like Googled Margaret Murchison and then that led me to the rant because you had done that podcast with her. And then I started reading about the rant and it was, hey, three guys, and they were at the Sanford, Sanford Herald, and they left their jobs. And, um, and on your website, uh, somebody had written a little comment and said, somebody should do a story on the rant. You guys are a great story. <laughs> In fact, that comment is still on there. And that kind of got me thinking. That, that sort of got me thinking, well, maybe these three guys are a, a pretty good story. Yeah, you know, that's one of us. <laughs> you should probably do a story about this, Scott Mason. Yeah. <laughs> Just so everybody knows, this was not pitched by us. We were not trying to promote our business. However, um, it, it did uh, it did wonders for our business already within a day. And uh, and just to show the power of of uh, broadcast journalism, um, the uh, we've got people all over the country, families and family members and friends who are congratulating us and sharing this video and uh it's it's been really fun for us this past day and so we just want you to know that you certainly do bring a lot of joy to people with with what you do and 
Um, and we're all still pretty giddy about having seen ourselves uh, look somewhat professional on TV. Yeah. <laughs> so we, well, really, we just really appreciate it. Yeah. And Billy, thanks for sending me those pictures, you know, because the pictures that you sent that we included in the piece were incredibly helpful. And uh, I, I told myself there was some way, somehow I was going to get you guys eating tacos into the store. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Hungry for news, I think you said. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, well, Scott Mason, Tar Heel Traveler, uh, um, you can catch him. Uh, I don't have the days in front of me, but definitely on Mondays. Uh, but uh, you're on you're on the Facebook. You're you're all over the internet. Um, people love you. We really appreciate you uh, joining us today, and we wish you continued success. And uh, next time you want to come to Sanford, if you need any help from us, please let us know. Yeah, yeah. we've. I'm sure we will. In fact, um, you remember after I interviewed you, and we were looking at that wall across the street. Oh yeah, the, the wall, uh, Instagram wall. Uh, yeah. Yeah. yeah, I definitely want to do a story on that. I think that's kind of interesting. So, you know, and that's a good lesson in that. You know, it's just a wall where people last day of their life or something. But, but uh, sometimes it's the little stories that can resonate the most. Oh yeah, absolutely. absolutely. We're happy to to set you up with uh, who you need to talk to for that. So, without okay, a, we're happy to help. Good. I'll be I'll be in touch down the road. Okay. Well, right. thank you, Scott. Thank you, thank guys. You, thank keep, you so keep much. The, keep up the great work. You too. We will. Thank you. You too. <laughs> All righty. Bye-bye. Bye. Do you guys want to talk about the new COVID numbers that came out yesterday? Uh, I like I like how um, it came out on Monday. Yet we were such we were still riding high on the uh, the WRAL segment that we once went ahead and, well, and the the story for a day because you know COVID numbers we we don't want to bring down. <laughs> yeah. Well, also we were busy. I was returning from a trip and and uh, we had other stuff going on. <laughs> Well, that I mean, it does illustrate the fact that even though we can be pretty quick with with stories, there's going to be times it's just the three of us and yeah. we have to prioritize. And I think we made a decision that was good for our business to do a little bit of self-promotion. And it's probably something we don't do enough of. And those COVID numbers weren't going to change over the course of 12 hours or so. But that being said, last uh, week yeah. we had the the... the the week prior, we had about 46 cases, which things had been trending downward. We were in the 40, 50, 60 case range per week. And last week, that number doubled to almost 100 new cases. And, and see, I expected that for next week, because this week we have, or I think today, today there's a free, um, yeah. we're recording this on Tuesday. Um, I don't, this may come out tonight, but uh, we have a free testing clinic. So I thought next week's numbers are going to to be higher because anytime you have free testing you're going to have people get tested who normally wouldn't and then you're going to have a, a percentage of those come out positive but to see 96 this week when there was no such public testing like that it's it's troubling and last week for the first time i was thinking well we're at our lowest point of active cases um, we're at our lowest number of weekly cases in, in quite a while um, 
things are on the up and up here. And then to, to get double in one week like that, it's disheartening. And it just goes to, sh- and then we also had our ninth death last week. Mm-hmm. Um, it goes to show you that um, it's still very much a thing right now. And uh, despite what I saw on Topsail Beach yesterday, which was a very crowded beach and very little um, social distancing, uh, we did our best to social distance. And then when we ate lunch, Everybody, everybody who did lunches on the beach in those areas, uh, they were masked and, and socially distant. But um, it's like when you got to the water, suddenly science quit working, I guess. I don't know. Well, the other thing to remember is that the election is getting closer. So those, those COVID numbers have to go up. Yeah, that was one of our comments, wasn't it? Yeah. <laughs> and then somebody also did point out that we're still at roughly about 130, 100, you said in the story, Gordon, I forget what the number was, of active cases. And so we, we've topped a it's thousand. About 160, which is up from last week pretty significantly. Yeah, we've topped a thousand overall, but at 160 active cases, that might sound good. But then you, if you go back to when all this started and we were at 100 plus active cases, it was serious business because... Um, that's a lot of people. I mean, it doesn't sound like a lot of people. Someone also in our comments pointed out, oh, great, just fewer than 1% of our population has this. Well, that's 1% of our population who's been tested <laughs> has this. And uh, if you do percentages on the people who've been tested, that's going to be a much higher number. And so we have no idea how many people actually have it right now. Yeah. Doesn't seem to be going away, though. No, it doesn't. And uh, despite despite the fact that Major League Baseball started last week, and uh, I know that that's already in trouble with you've got 17 active cases on the um, Miami Marlins right now. And uh, um, basketball starts Thursday, right? Basketball does start this week. I think basketball of all the sports um, seems to have the best plan in place with the, with the bubble and keeping everybody in one place. Hockey's doing that as well in Canada, but the NBA, um, they didn't bring all the teams in. They brought 22 of the 30 teams, uh, any, any teams that still have a chance at the playoffs and they're going to do an eight game end of the season. And then they're going to the playoffs, but all the teams had to quarantine for two weeks before workouts. And then they started working out and now they're going to start playing. Um, they're, they're but then these, like Lou Williams went to the strip club. Did you see that? Yeah, Chris Stops Porzingis missed a test, and now he has to miss a couple of days just because he missed a test. So it's it's pretty strict, though. I think yeah. I think that's going to work. I think, though, your college football, your NFL, and Major League Baseball, it's going to be a lot tougher because of the travel aspect of it yeah. and because you can't bubble all those players like that. The NFL will find a way. That, I, I heard somebody say – they don't even care about their players anyway, you know, <laughs> like yeah. with the CTE stuff and everything. Yeah. Yeah. They're just putting them out there to play whatever happens. So they're literally running into each other uh, at full force. Giving each what other do you think? Uh, do you guys, I mean, you guys watched some baseball this week though, right? Yeah. I haven't. And not by choice. I signed up for the damn MLB.com account. They took my money and I can't figure out how to get in. And it's not operator error. It's not. Phone. It's not because I'm 40. Yeah, it's just I just want a haircut without any of the mess. Yeah. But <laughs> it, no, it's it, I'm really kind of pissed off at baseball right now because I, I can't access this account that I've paid for. I don't mind the no fans of the game. It's different, but I don't mind it. 
Um, I did not like Fox putting in virtual fans. That was weird. Yeah. And then even the crowd noise is weird. Yeah. Like being crowd noise. Just do silence. You know, I, I, this is our one chance to actually hear what players are saying, to hear, you know, yeah. a third base coach yell at the batter or something. I, I want to hear that. This is your you hear a bunch of You hear a bunch of spitting and, come on, man, hit that ball, man. <laughs> yeah. Hey, batter, 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 batter. Hey, batter. You think they do that in Major League? <laughs> what if they piped in litter, like Little League sounds? <laughs> I like what they're doing in the NBA, though, to, to make up for the no fans. They've just got the giant screens. I so like that. Yeah, I think that's good. a good idea. Yeah. They could but even yeah. do that digitally, you know? Yeah. So I like it. I, li- I like sports being back. I, I don't feel good about baseball actually finishing the season, or you might actually have some teams that just – you might have teams that opt what if out. Yeah. What if your team wins and, you know, then everybody will say, oh, that was the COVID year. That don't count. Yeah. You, oh, yeah. I that's a little bit of sports talk. And the, the whole asterisk for all these yeah. seasons right now is, is a big topic of discussion. Um, Banners I, fly forever, man. Yeah, but just look at I mean, you know, in, in baseball – most teams are around 500 anyway, heading into the final 60 games. You know, most teams are hovering around that area. It's just that every team's at 500 heading into it now. There's, yeah, it's it's still baseball. I like baseball. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so yeah, uh, I, I'm in, I'm enjoying that too. But uh, so we're working on our next edition of the rant that's going to come out on Monday, August the third. Uh, we've uh, actually got a lot of good content for this one, but I don't want to talk about that yet. We'll talk about uh, that next week. I do want to um, end this by talking about a video we shot this week, Gordon. Um, and no, not that yeah. one. I'm talking about uh, our, our food video that we shot with Chad Blackwelder filmed by Ben Brown. Um, I'm going over the footage of it right now. And I got to say, um, Ben Brown is a, uh, he knows his multimedia and um, the content we've got here looks uh, looks Food Network quality, even better than that. It's it's really good stuff. I can't wait to put this together. Yeah, I thought I had a lot of fun shooting it and hanging out with those guys because they're both really awesome at what they do. Uh, ben, as far as the multimedia stuff, and Chad, as far as the identification of delicious food and the identification and preparation of delicious food. We, uh, I, learned, I learned a lot in just the few minutes on slicing a fish and uh, um, uh, preparing eggplant and things like that. Yeah, we uh, to 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 back up. We went to the Sanford Farmers Market on Saturday, as well as to the Seaview Crab Company with Chad, and we we picked out some items and went back to his place, and uh, he chefed them together while Ben filmed. And it was it was awesome to watch. Me and Billy mostly just kind of stood around like bumps on a log, cracking the occasional joke. But um, and, you know, both of those guys have been guests on the podcast. So it was cool to collaborate with them in this way. I, I look forward to seeing how you get it all together. Chad, Chad doesn't joke around in the kitchen. He trusts you and he lets you do some cutting in there. He let me slice a tomato, but it was funny. I go to slice the tomato and he stops me. <laughs> And Whoa. instead of instead of a one one inch cut, he needed like a one point two five inch cut on the tomato. <laughs> I almost just handed him the knife and said, "Here." 
can be intimidating because he's so good at what he does but we've been friends for a long time and cooked a lot of things together and I've spent time watching him and my wife worked for him in the kitchen so she knows a lot as well so I've gotten a little more comfortable with it over the years well he's missed and uh watching the footage and and experiencing that um hopefully I hope that maybe that's a, a, a somewhat regular um, segment for us if he wants to do more of that with us because uh, explain the premise a little bit or did you do that yeah yeah <laughs> yeah he, he went to the he went to the sea view sea view um crab company and uh oh, okay. the farmer's market on saturday and picked out um locally grown or locally caught items or state you know well the market does stuff from the from the coast here but um and uh, it was all fresh and he put together a world-class dish using lo- local products and showing that you can do it. And, and mostly, yeah, mostly we did it for entertainment. Mostly we did it to promote the farmer's market and Seaview, but, uh, but also, um, you know, just shows uh, it, it can also be a educational video for people just the way, you know, he prepares things. And he talks about it while he's doing it too. So there's a few things you can learn from it. So. Yeah, I want. I definitely want to do more. And Chad and I spoke about that on on Saturday. And don't know yet what it looks like, but you know, you could do something around the holiday time. Like here's how to prepare a turkey or whatever. Yeah. There's you know, beats the hell out of uh, Easter candy and beer, which was great. Yeah. Thank you again, Camelback, and thank you, Randall, for setting that up. It was awesome. But. I will say that the food that came out of this one was much different than peeps and, uh, and beer chocolate bunny. (laughs) What was, yeah. Did we ever release that video? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. It did well. Oh, did it? Yeah. Yeah. I sent that, I sent that one to Scott too, but he chose the tacos one. Good. I, I, I did like that. He used the, the quick clip from the, uh, from the beginning where the two of you pop out of the phone booth. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. That was funny. Yeah. So, so anyway. you think you think Jeff Bezos will call us and try to buy the rent from us now? Yeah. Yeah, I think he will. After after this week, I, I believe anything now. <laughs> well, What's the thing is, is if you if you'll believe this, anything now, there's some stuff on Facebook you need to see. Yeah. Have you well, heard of? Q? Yeah, I did. I did listen to the doctors who uh, who spoke at DC denouncing everything, and I gotta say they brought up some good points. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. I have a lot of people that shared that on my news Facebook news feed and uh all the uh all of the clips say are like grayed out and say this is false information, click at your own risks type of stuff. So Yeah. And the well, president shared it. Facebook too. censoring your freedom of speech, your your liberty of of opinion. Ah, so um <laughs> anyways, uh yeah. We're running out of time, so um, party on. What y'all want to say? How do you want to end this? Uh, let's just end it. Oh, here's something I noticed, and I'm going to do a comparison and and hope that WRAL lets us get away with this. Our theme music, which was com- composed by Ben Brown, goes da 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 da. Yeah, there's a similar. Just like da 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 da. It's like almost exactly the same. Yeah. They've had theirs for a lot longer, though. Yeah, theirs is pretty old. You think Ben stole it from them? 
Well, we're going to have goodbye. <laughs> Smoke bomb. I mean, when I asked Ben to compose something, I said, make it newsy. So, okay. uh, it's probably not. This is not, it's not very similar. I mean, it's different enough. Here's a point where you can yeah. side well, by side. I'm, you, it, I, I'm, it's, it's, to me, it's very hard to steal a song. Unless so, okay. you're like Led Zeppelin and like covering blues songs and not giving credit to the men who wrote them. But if you, you know, if you take a riff or a lyric, it's to me, it's almost more of an homage than a theft. Yeah. George Harrison's, uh, um, uh, what song is that? Uh, My Sweet Lord was taken from the Rondettes. Uh, and I forget what the, uh, oh shoot, what was the name of the song? Anyways, um, it's almost the exact same song. Yeah, well, um, uh, Come As You Are by Nirvana, they like were adamantly opposed to releasing that as a single because they knew they had stolen it. They had stolen the riff from a band called Killing Joke. They had a song called 80s. And the song got released as a single anyway and Killing Joke was like how dare they steal this riff from us it's so unique that they couldn't have possibly come up with it on their own and then a British band called The Damned came behind Killing Joke and said <clears throat> and they played one of their songs that had the same riff too and Killing Joke <laughs> shut up after that and I was I was incorrect it was not the Rondettes it was the Chiffons and the song was he's so fine da, 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 da. and then George Harrison comes out with yeah. yeah. It's a shit Okay, hey, we can end this now. Bye. <laughs> <laughs>